0: Hey, thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. What is the most fatty organ in your body? It's not your gut. I thought about that. I'm like, it's probably your gut. A little clue, and you're like, I already know what it is but 90 minutes of sweating for those of you that don't like to work out 90 minutes of sweating can temporarily shrink this organ as if you've aged a year isn't that interesting i was talking with my friend the other day like he coaches soccer and he's like yeah we just do an hour and a half every other day like a couple days a week i'm like oh that's cool and he's like yeah but football they do it like four hours a day during the summer i'm like i'm just imagining how much their their minds are shrinking like the fattiest organ in your body is is your brain in fact when it's um when it's when you're looking at the dry weight of your brain sixty percent of it is um is 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 just fat straight up fat I've always heard that most of your brain is water seventy-three percent of your brain is water it weighs three pounds these are just statistics your total body weight imagine this so imagine your brain the fattiest organ in your body and it weighs three pounds it uses 20 percent of the energy in your body it makes sense like if you think of your brain as a computer and like have y'all ever had like those desktops and like you're doing something really involved on your computer and then your desktop like ramps up or your laptop ramps up and you're like I used to, I remember when I first got a, a church laptop years and years and years ago. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I didn't have to buy it myself and it's not a hand-me-down. And when I would be involved with some graphics or something like, and it would whir and spin so much, I thought that thing was about to like turn its head around and go sideways and get, you know, possessed and, and fly out of the room. I'm like, this is bananas. Our brains do the same thing. And they say that scientists have a lot of, done a lot of research on this. And in fact, they say it takes about 15 years from the time that some research is done for it to kind of get into common vernacular. But you have or can have up to 48 thoughts in a minute. My wife's not in here, but I can attest that she has at least 48 thoughts in a minute. (laughs) She's like, my brain doesn't shut down. I'm like, I know, babe. You tell me all the time. And that's probably most of us. So imagine that. Do some math. If you have 48 thoughts in a minute and however many minutes are in a day you can have up to 70,000 thoughts in a waking day and it just takes one thought of one minute to derail your day doesn't it? Have you ever thought about that? No James but you're the nerd you're the resident nerd and now I have that's a thought you just put into my brain the word mind is used 150 times in the Bible. And the reason I tell you that is because if you for like for the next several weeks I want to look at our mind I want to look at our, our, our emotional health our mental health and, and the reason why is because if it just takes one thought to ruin our our day I mean, it can dislodge you, it can help you disengage, it can disorient you, it can can shut you down, even if it's just for a moment or even for a lifetime. One thought can just live rent-free in your mind for so long. I want to tell you that God, I want to emphatically tell you that God loves your soul, primarily. He loves your soul. We know that so much so that, like the kids, I was looking at the book that they're, they're, they're looking at today. And it, and it even goes through the gospel story. God loves us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that in eternity past, like before time began, God's looking at the whole scheme of time. And he's like, there's going to come a time I'm going to create people and these people are going to need me. And I want to be with them. And so I'm going to create a way for them to be with me. Only one way. And it's through my son Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so God wrote that in a script a long time ago. Because he loves each of us. But as much as he loves our soul, if you don't get anything else these next next several weeks, it's just that God loves my mind as much as he loves my soul. God loves my mind as much as he loves my soul. Sometimes people like me who are versed in the bible who read nerdy bible stuff all the time who get involved in nerdy bible debates on the internet which i I get i don't do that as much as i used to sometimes we think oh but the lord only loves your soul it's like man god loves every bit of you 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 would be surprised the amount of things that we would think would be trivial that i pray for when i go see patients and i'm like there's nothing too too small to pray for because God loves everything about us. What about, I, what about my sin? Now, he doesn't love that. <laughs> but He loves the way He's created you. And He loves your mind. And I think oftentimes in churches, like we forget to, to look at our mind. Because of that thought, because that one thought can break our day, our month, or even our year, we're going to be looking at this now i want to i do want to make here's that disclaimer i told you about Uh, where we may address or get into some things that may emotionally get you like huh i haven't thought about that and we may go through some of those things over the next several weeks and if that is the case and you find yourself uh, emotionally thinking through some more things than normal my line is open i would love to chat with you but I'm not a licensed professional counselor. And so I do want to encourage you. Like I see one, like I know a lot of folks that see one. My wife is one. She probably can't see you, but she has an open ear too. But I want to encourage you to talk with someone because they've got some, I, I'm telling you, I was going through some classes. I'm taking a break right now. We're on a break. <laughs> but I'm, I'm on a break right now from these classes. I've taken like seven of them already. It's like, doggone, they have a lot of tools in their mental tool belt to help you out more than i do and so i do want to encourage you so there's your disclaimer mary used to wonder what was going on in my mind and i know some of you are like man this is a long introduction we'll get into scripture really quickly in the next several weeks today is kind of setting up our need for what for for looking at our mental health mary used to wonder like i wonder what goes on in your mind but now that we've been married for a long time she realizes i don't know if i wonder what's going on in your mind sometimes but I've learned a lot about myself these last several months. This is a set of teachings that I've been looking at and praying through and mulling over and asking God about for quite a while. And so as much as you might think, Hey, that, that was good. I needed that today. It's really for me. And now it's also for you because I know that we're in some spots where we need some help. So we need to flip with me to Isaiah chapter 26. As we look at the mind, I want to remind you isaiah he's a a major prophet so you can go to like psalms proverbs and kind of kind of hook a right and he's back that way i love isaiah he's probably probably my favorite prophet he's also it's probably also my favorite book in the old testament but all that to say isaiah 26 we've heard it said that we need to be transformed like made like changed by the making new of our mind, by the renewing of our mind. We see that in scripture. We know that Paul tells us to like put on the mind of Christ. So it's not just, hey, I need to be holy like Jesus because he is holy, although the scripture tells us that. It doesn't, it's not just like I need to trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, although we do, like we need to trust him with our minds. Isaiah 26 Often in Isaiah 26, uh, if you've been around me in life long enough, I make a beeline to verse 8. And I'm not going to put it on the screen. You can take a look at it. Depending on your translation, depending on how old your translation is. I used to love the NIV 84. And it says, Yes, Lord, walking in your truths, your name and renown and the desires of our hearts. Like I would make a beeline to that. I love that scripture, like our lives, our spiritual lives, and really, if you think about it, not just our spiritual lives, but our life in general doesn't start until we say, yes, Lord, those two words, yes, Lord, I'm following you, Lord, that's it. And so I always make a beeline to that, but I haven't thought about how much God loves our mind until I looked at the rest of Isaiah 26. But this this passage doesn't begin with us. So like when we look in scripture, we always need to look at context. And to be very clear, this context, if you look at Isaiah 26, I read Isaiah 25 earlier to you as we started, right? Isaiah 26 isn't about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about necessarily, it's not, there's some descriptive stuff in here that is about what's going on about God's people, the Israelites but there's some prescriptive stuff in here that we can still apply to our lives there's still some applicable statements some principles, some theories in this that we can still apply so just to be clear there are times in scripture where we'll take something out of context and the author of whatever that was was not really writing to you or to me in the 21st century he was writing to somebody else and it's a principle that we can still apply so if you ever go to a church or if you ever see somebody online or someone ever tells you like a some sort of weird out of context bible verse like ah, that sounds a little weird it's probably because they took it out of context so isaiah 26. I do want to tell you it's about the Lord. Let me just go and tell you that right now. Look at verse four. I'm not even going to show you on the screen just yet. Look at verse four. Whose name is mentioned three times? Not Beetlejuice. Okay, right. Lord, Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And we're going to look at that in a moment. So the context isn't about us. The passage is not about us. The passage is about the Lord and what he's doing in, our, in, in the life of Israel. And there's some principles to apply. I tell you all that when I was growing up, I often learned from my brother y'all have any of y'all have older siblings I know you do I've learned from my brother what not to do he would do something oh not gonna do that let me write that one down I have talked in my job I I've talked with in the last 12 months I've talked with over 200 senior adults over 200 senior adults I sit in their home I hold their hand And I'll look them in the eye and I'll say, hey, what's the secret? And it it can depend. Some of them are married. I'll say, what's the secret to marriage? Some of them are not married or they've been widowed for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And this one lady, she's 92. And she's been widowed. She's been widowed for 20. What year is this? 2023. She's been widowed for 23 years. And I'll ask her, what's the secret to life? I'll ask these questions because I want to know. I will learn from other people when I can and that's what we're doing here in scripture. So what about our mind? Remember, God loves your mind. Your mind matters to the Messiah. Chapter 26, verse 1. On that day, everyone say on that day. day. Which day? On that day. Not Not today. Thank you very much. Not today. Not today. We tell the devil, no, not today. But on that day, something else was going on. That is not June, whatever day it is, 2023. He says, On that day, this song will be sung where? In the land of Judah. That's the context. The Israelites are living. They're in a divided kingdom. There's the land of Judah. There's the land of Israel, but they're all Israelites. There's a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. The Israelites are living in a split kingdom. Now in their kingdom is the holy city, the place where God dwells, Jerusalem. That is the city for them. That's the city for all of Israel. And they're like, that's where the temple is and that's where we go to meet with God. The context here is on that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. What city is that? That's the city of Jerusalem. This is where we go. We go to God when we need strength. We 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 go to God when we feel weak. We go to God when our spirit feels beat down. In fact, we talked about it. We'll talk about it. I think next week when we look at anxiety, you're like, "Oh, I'm already getting anxious about that now. I don't want to talk about my anxiety. I had an anxiety attack like two weeks ago. Like, they're they're not as often as they were, but they're they're still there. It Says we have a strong city. I have to remember like the Psalms of ascent, and as they would go up each of these big steps to the temple, they would be saying, reciting a psalm that they had committed to memory. And we're like, I can't commit that to memory, but like, I, like I know which filters I like on social media. <laughs> Like when I go to my stories on Instagram, like I'll always swipe to the right so I can get the the like rainbowish looking one that's kind of muted on the left. You're like, why is that relevant to anything? You know you're a Starbucks order. We memorize so many things, and yet I don't have scripture hidden in my heart. But these people, when they were feeling down, they would go up to meet with God at the temple and they would recite from memory the truths of god and how god helps them to look up so we're gonna look at that next week that is their strong city it's interesting because they it says we and i want to remind you that we are not in that bible verse we have a strong city that is not us it's the same thing in verse two if you look at verse two for you have turned the city into a pile of rocks oops that's chapter 25 open the gates so a righteous nation can come in guess what we are not that righteous nation i love america that's not a verse about america be very clear this is a verse about the nation of judah at that time so in this prophecy we're talking about the southern kingdom just so that we're clear and then you look at verse verse 2 open the gates so that a righteous nation can come in one that remains faithful chapter 25 reminds us that there was a fortified city and now it's in ruins chapter 25 verse 2 and chapter 24 verse 10 and very similar the city of chaos is shattered like there there are places in our lives there are places in their life where they were in strongholds and they were defeated jerusalem hadn't been defeated at this point just yet so we are they are talking about jerusalem here so here's a truth for them and a principle for all you ready the salvation through jesus secures those who trust in him the salvation through jesus secures those who trust in him going back to verse one it says salvation is established as walls and ramparts the reason why it is a strong city is because of salvation Where does that salvation come from? We know that salvation comes only from the Lord. We, on this side of history, we know that salvation comes from the Lord, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, in our lives, sets up walls and barriers. So here's the prescriptive part. He sets up walls and barriers to protect us, to give us. I mean, it's cheesy, but he gives us our best life now. He doesn't give us health, wealth, and prosperity. No, he gives us the life that we were intended to live, that we were created to live. The life that Adam and Eve screwed up for us. And you know what? We would have screwed it up ourselves way back when because we would have chosen us and our desires and our whatevers all the time and our preferences over anybody else's. And Jesus is like, man, you know what? I'm going to, through salvation, through rescue, rescuing you from where you were, I'm going to set up a wall to protect you, barriers. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts. It's kind of like when we went to the beach. I didn't do it this time because I got really sad last time because of this particular story. When I go to the beach, I like to build stuff. I just feel better building stuff. I don't like going in the water because you get algae and your swim pains. I don't like that. I don't like getting dirty. I don't like salt in my mouth unless it's on a steak, okay? You give me some salt water and you're like, is there a mouth ulcer? What's going on here? So I like to build things, except for this last time I was sad. And so I dug holes and eventually I'm like, just bury me in it. There's a picture on the internet. But this specific time, like I was, we were building a sandcastle. You have to go close to wet-ish sand, right? Not super wet, wet wet-ish. And uh, unless you're really good and I'm not. But so I got close. What do you do? You build your little moat and then you build walls because the waves are coming in. And i had some really good walls but they weren't good enough for god and god toppled them over with the waves and i got sad and then i built another one because i'm resilient and then the waves came and they crashed and then i got sad again but then i built another one and then they crashed again and i quit here's the thing in matthew the book of matthew jesus says a wise man is one who hears the word and he builds his house on that foundation it's like someone who digs real deep and finds that bedrock that sure foundation not on the sand because like when the waves come and they're gonna come when the waves come it's gonna topple over james go dig a hole i will lord like sorry anyway like those are gonna come he says the the wise person is the one who hears the word and like we dig on that down to that foundation we build our house on that and so when we know that Jesus is our salvation, Jesus is the foundation that we build on. And so when we have these, these waves in life, and these storms sweep in, or that one thought out of 48 thoughts in a minute that could turn our day bad. No, 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 no. I'm going to take every thought captive. Because Jesus loves my mind as much as he loves my soul. Verse 2. Open the gates so that a righteous nation can come in. One that remains faithful. Again, this is descriptive of what's happening at the moment. But what I love about this, think about it. Open the gates so we can come in. It reminds me of our message on the I am statements of Jesus when he says in John 10, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gateway. I'm the doorway. And when we trust in him, he says, we we will be saved. Three things we'll be saved, we'll be able to come in and go out, and we'll find pasture. So while this in Isaiah 26.2 is descriptive about what's going on with Israel or Judah at that time, it is prescriptive for us because Jesus admits that in John 10. He's like, listen, if you go into my salvation, if you trust in me, then you'll find freedom. You'll be able to come in. You'll be able to go out just like you do here in Isaiah 26.2. Because Jesus is fulfilling what, what the prophets pointed to all along. Verse 3, he says, you, now who is you in this verse? Let's keep reading. You will keep the mind, and we're going to look at that verse in just uh, that word in a moment, that is dependent on you in perfect peace for it is trusting in you. Here we are looking at God. And this is one of those truths that apply to all of us all throughout time. Not just for these people here, although specifically for these people here, but also for us. I have a question for us. Let's be honest for a minute. Who or what do we turn to when we first want peace? Like some of us, if we're honest, we turn to relationships. Like when, when we need peace in our life and something goes awry, we, we look for... Like my friendship with so-and-so or my wife or my whoever. Like I'm looking for this to fix it. Like, hey, I need some help here. I did that one night. It was like midnight. And I messaged my friend. I said, hey, I'm having a lot of anxiety right now and no one else is awake. And I didn't want to wake up my wife because my daughter still sleeps in my bed. Can someone, I figured you could encourage me. He said, yeah, dude. I didn't even have, he didn't even have to say, hey, how'd you know I'm still up? Because I know he's always awake at midnight. Worship leaders sleep in like noon. That's what they do, musicians. but sometimes relationships will sour so we can't trust in just relationships like if that's what we want to like fix us it's not going to fix us some of us we trust in money why because money gives us quote some control i read this on the internet it's got to be true psychologists say like we turn to money because it gives us some control over our safety our security our food like if you use money like to some degree like you have some control over what's going on in your life I remember there was a day about a year or so ago that I accidentally left my debit card at home. No big deal because I have Apple Pay. Except when you're almost out of gas, your gas light's been on for 15 miles, I've got five miles left and the gas station, the podunk gas station you're going to doesn't take Apple Pay. And you're like, oh no, what do I do? And then you realize I don't have any safety or security here at this moment. It's sad because there's times where we're like, hey, I wish I had more money because if I had more money, then I would be more safe. I would be more secure. I would have more pleasure. I'd have more food. I would have more, more, more. And that's why people that win the lottery, like they stick in, they they, they lose it all because it's their habits of their mind. It's their, it's their, their emotional and spending habits. Or sometimes we rely on us that was judah's problem judah's problem was that i i can do this all by myself my daughter Allie. a lot of times she'll say she's five she'll say i can do it by myself and i don't like hearing that sometimes i, lo- I love i love that she is adventurous and i love that she's self-sufficient but like when it's like hey I, I went poop well let me let me help you out there said, no i can do it by myself or when she says Hey, I'm hungry I want a sandwich okay daddy will make it for you in a minute no I'll make it by myself and we're not talking about ham sandwiches we're talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I that was Judas problem I can do it by myself you know what the Bible calls that pride like it's cool to know hey I can do some of this stuff for myself but we can't do it all by ourselves when we get into a mental or emotional funk We can't get out of it by ourselves well i'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps we can't that's pride and the 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 writer of the proverbs say pride goes before the fall right here's your application when dissatisfaction starts to seep into our stories we need to fix our eyes on the only one who can truly satisfy and his name is jesus oh james how do i do that i personally start with worship that's me that's how i'm wired like when i'm getting dissatisfied or that thought creeps in like i'll i'm like man when's the last time i I praised god and i'll throw on a worship song it might not work for you maybe for you it's like hey i need to pray i need to talk to the lord first for some of us it's like i haven't opened up a copy of scripture on my phone or in person in a while and i need to do that i don't know what it is all of those things can help point us back to or reorient back to god And he says, you will keep the mind that is dependent. That's what we need to do. We need to be dependent on God. Now that word for mind means frame of mind or perspective. It's our mental capacity. Dependent means literally, it means like leaning on. It's kind of like I'm leaning on this wall. I know it's not going to go anywhere. But more specifically, it's the idea of like leaning on like a staff or, or like a set of crutches. Like there are times like you've ever had to use crutches, like you, they're not just there to hurt your armpits, right? Crutches are there for you to lean on. And if you don't lean on your crutches and you throw your crutches away and you have a bum foot, what do you do? You hop along. Or you just sit there and you rely on a relationship or something. I don't know. You've got to lean on the Lord. So he's like, you will keep the mind. God will keep the mind that is dependent on you. this word here for perfect, peace, literally says, peace, peace. And then we easily describe it as perfect peace, but it is all satisfying peace. I believe God God includes that line because He loves our mind and He knows how prone to wander it is. So the point of where our minds should be, we find in verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever because He is the Lord, the Lord Himself. Now, I copied this off the internet, so whatever you've seen on the screen, I copied this. But in my copy of Scripture, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all three times. The caps lock, Lord of the universe, the God of the universe. Another way of saying it is God Almighty, the one who has all power. So he's telling us, but really he's also telling them specifically. But this is a truth for us. Trust in the Lord who is almighty. And has all power trust in him forever because the Almighty Lord who has all power the Lord himself who has all power guess what he is something specific I want to tell you that we can rest safe and secure satisfied knowing that our mind is in the hand of the Almighty God of the universe one last little thing how do we trust in the Lord clearly the Israelites they have a strong city you see that in verse 1 we have a strong city they have freedom, verse 2, open the gates so that the righteous nation can come in and go out. Verse 3, they have a peace of mind. They have perfect peace when we lean on God. A lot of people would be tempted to quit. I've got it. Matthew McConaughey, I listened to his autobiography. Not, I can't recommend it. But you ever wonder where that term, all right, all right, all right, comes from? It's from his very first movie, Dazed and Confused. And the director, he was going into a, uh, this is not in my notes, and now I'm over on time, but... He was uh, going in to, to, to shoot a scene. In, in fact, his scene wasn't for a couple more days, but they had him come in and do a full-on dress rehearsal. They wanted, The director wanted to check him out in his outfit, and they are about to shoot a drive-in scene for some other cast members. They see him in his outfit. The director's like, hey, I need you. So there's a girl in this movie. I haven't even written lines for this scene. How would you pick her up? Like, How would you, how would you, you know, hit on her and... And so like he thinks about it, he's like, well, all right, look, I got, I got car. So that's good. He said, I got, I got charisma. I got hope in myself. That's all right. And then he's like, and I got, He's like, I got the look. He's Like I got three out of four things. All right. All right. All right. That's where it came from. If you ever wonder where that came from, he has like four things in life. And he, if he hits three out of the four things, then he's okay. He's like, man, that, that line stuck with me and people have tattooed it and they put on t-shirts and blah, all this other stuff. You would think with verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3 that Israel, Judah here, is saying, all right, all right, all right. We've got it. We've got a strong city. We can come in and go out. We've got freedom and we've got perfect peace. Everything is hunky-dory. So you would think that, you know, we can just quit. And Isaiah the prophet says, nope, 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 nope. You can't quit. Trust in the Lord forever. Why? Because he is the Lord what else he is the Lord himself but guess what number four he's an everlasting rock 20 times in the Psalms they use the psalmists use the word rock and every time they use it in reference to God it's talking about how he is safe and how he is secure how he is firm in a place of sinking sand Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 it's my favorite one of my favorites I love a lot of the Psalms but it's one of my favorites you too did a song about it called 40 says he I waited patiently for the Lord he inclined and heard my cry and he lifted me up out of the pit out of the mud and out of the mire and he set my feet upon a rock something strong and secure talking about the Lord our mind needs to be set on him why because he loves our mind as much as he loves our soul if you don't get anything else today is that God loves your mind as much as he loves your soul It's time to trust God with our mind, to lean not on our own understanding. Jesus, thank you for today. I'm grateful that you love our mind. That really wouldn't matter, Jesus, if you didn't die for us, though. So I'm grateful that you thought enough of us, that you loved us so much, that you came to this planet for us. May we lean on you in our good times. And Jesus, may we lean on you in those times when those thoughts turn awry in our minds. Because you are worth it all, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.